Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Welcome. I'm so glad you can join us on Mission Evolution, where we bring the latest knowledge from today's leading experts to support your evolutionary process. This hour, we'll consider evolving by following your joy. Joy is an elusive thing, yet it very well may be a huge part of our navigational system through uncertain times. What is joy? How can we find it? Once found, can we use it to guide us into a more evolved state of being? With us this hour to explore joy as a guidepost to evolution is the author of The Healing Power of Pleasure, Julia Paulette Hollenberry. Julia is a body worker, therapist, mystic, healer, and facilitator. For more than 25 years, she's guided countless clients into deep confidence of self-authority. Her website, universeofdeliciousness.com. Julia, thanks so much for joining us on Mission Evolution. Thank you for inviting me. We should have fun with this subject today. So let's start with, what's your educational background? Um, I am an English graduate, and I've done lots of study as a body worker. I'm trained in the Grimberg method of body work, in biodynamic craniosacral therapy, in family constellations, and in a branch of Kashmiri Shivaism Tantra. I call that my formal or professional qualifications. And of course, I bring my informal education in spiritual schools and of course, through direct experience. How long have you been doing body work and, and practicing in these uh, forms? Well, in these forms, about 25 years, but as a child, I was always keen to have my hands on my school friends and often to talk with them about all sorts of different things. So kind of all my life. Does it feel like you came wired a little differently than most people? Um, what, what drew your interest this direction? <laughs> um, my mom was a physiotherapist. So as a small girl, I would definitely help her from home. 
I think she thought that I was playing. She'd give me, with the client's permission, one of their arms or legs to play with. But even from a, you know, a very young age, I was always pretty focused and knew what I was doing. As Let's back how... up a little bit. What, what do you mean by giving you an arm or a leg to play with? Were you, <laughs> were you in the room with her? What I was, was going on? Yeah, I was. My mom worked from home. Okay. And so you would literally have your hands on the client's arm or leg. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty fascinating. So um, what prompted your mother to do that? And how did the clients respond to that? It always went well. And indeed, I have a daughter. And when my girl was small, she also would be in the room with me working with clients. And children, you know, children have a kind of natural magic, at least. It seems that way to me. Before they're told they can't, right? Sure. We yeah. can make anything up, right? So what led you to seeing joy as a source of healing and evolution? So when I was a child, I remember that the people around me at home and in school all seemed so very miserable and I couldn't understand it. I used to spend a lot of time out in the garden and I knew without question how much delicious joy was possible. And yet I didn't have the words to express it as a child or a way to communicate it then. So, um, so it's been with me all my life and um, it's really clear that there is so much more joy, pleasure, deliciousness, happiness, than most of us give ourselves permission to live. It seems like, you know, uh, there is this sine wave, um, nature loves balance, joy, sorrow. Um, and so when we're talking about joy and following your joy um, and finding balance and, and uh, evolution within that, you're not talking just about joy, are you? Would you speak to, to sorrow? Right. So we touched on this a little bit yesterday. So there's two uh, pathways, if you like, to joy. One is choosing it and prioritizing it and saying, I am going to have for breakfast exactly what I feel like eating, or I'm going to put on my desk exactly what I would like to be there, or I'm going to wear exactly what I would like that makes me feel good. And then there's another pathway, which is staying close to yourself and being with whatever arises, even if it's uncomfortable, because there's a kind of magic that takes place when you are, when we are in contact with what is here and it kind of opens up into that kind of joy. So what's the difference between choosing joy, which is the first option you gave, and denying our sorrow? Because, you know, we might say, okay, this is going, there's always two sides to every coin. There's always joy and sorrow present. So I'm choosing to focus on the joy. But we, isn't the risk of denying the sorrow and missing the ability to evolve through that? Right. So really what we're talking about is becoming more sensitive, becoming more sensitive to ourselves and to others, because any fixed idea 
uh, has to be fine-tuned in the moment to see exactly what's appropriate. Nobody is ever happy all of the time. It's an impossibility. Well, so, it's not desirable, really, either. How can we process if we don't go through the fire, if you will? Right, right. So how can you tell the difference between, okay, I'm choosing to experience and express joy in this moment, and I'm avoiding my sorrow to the point that I'm going to get a backlog going? It's a really interesting question. I'm not sure if I've got an immediate answer. I guess it is to experiment with it, to play with it, to be sensitive, to tune in, to check. I mean, sometimes we do need to be wise, right? We do need to say, I'm not going there right now. It doesn't fit or it doesn't fully serve me. And often that is a wise choice, but at other times, a different choice. <laughs> is what we need to say, actually, I'm ready right now to feel into this, or I must feel into this. So it's something to do, I think, with an exquisite sensitivity um, and a risk to get it wrong as well. Well, in our culture, uh, we're, we're taught that to produce and to achieve is good. And so we tend to focus on what we have to do and we don't have time within that to to go into our sorrow to go into our lament um we've just set it aside and set it aside and set it aside but eventually don't we run the risk of that setting it aside becoming an addiction and we becoming unprocessed totally i mean we're seeing all the great difficulty in the world at the moment of people who are so stressed and so exhausted and so burnt out and depressed and unwell from that culture of work, work, busy, busy, constantly being on the go. How can you tell when you're starting to get to that place? You know, what's, what's, a, what's a red flag for people? Noticing that the compulsion to get it right or to please others, or to make the deadline, it makes you override too much your urges for rest and for food and for water. Um, again, I think it's a, a, a fine-tuned balance because people are not taught that. They are taught to override themselves. So the red flags are, in a way, any symptom that keeps coming back and that you keep ignoring and taking a, um, something to dull the symptom. Um, I would say pay attention to the symptom, notice it, notice when and how it occurs. And indeed, if there's a message that it might have for you. So are you talking about becoming more body aware in the process of this? Because don't we have to kind of disassociate from our body in order to ignore its signals to keep pushing through? Absolutely. Of course. That's right. We live in a culture that is very unsensual. And that is accentuated by the stress that we're all put under. And of course, the ordinary minor traumas of everyday life. And most of us jump out of our head jump out of our bodies in order to be in our to-do lists and in our anxieties and our planning for the future and our blame and regret for the past. So it's a big shift to become body aware. It's something that takes a bit of bothering and a bit of time. Once we start to become body aware, aren't we bombarded with the unprocessed stuff that we've stored in our body? 
ha, well, as you know, the body is wise and we're not necessarily bombarded. The body is, it releases, it enables us to sense into it at a tempo that we can cope with. And of course, we have choice in that matter. I think it comes to some people as a bit of a surprise once you become body aware of all the stuff you start running across, which will tend to drive them right back out of their body. Well, it depends. I mean, um, slowing down and gifting yourself some space and time enables you to be able to hold the increase in sensory data when you come well, into contact with your body. We're going to have to talk about becoming more body aware and slowing down on the other side of a commercial break. Julie and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pounds i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer the we're going family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pounds i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer Hello again, this is Gwilda Wiecka on Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. With us this hour discussing joy as a guidepost during challenging times is Julia, Julia Paulette Hollenberry. Her website, universeofdeliciousness.com. Julia, we were getting into becoming more body aware and some of the surprises that we might run across as we go inward and see what our body has to tell us. Would you mind continuing with that a little bit, please? Mm. Well, yeah, it is a bit of an unexpected adventure journey coming out of uh, ideas in the head and back into the body. I mean, as babies and children, most of us are naturally inhabiting our bodies. It is the pressures of life, of course, that make us leave. So the journey back to the body is totally natural. And it is a bit of a magical mystery. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to find. Mostly, you're going to find richness and sensitivity. You're going to find more of yourself. And it's a kind of fascinating journey. I mean... Isn't it delightful to know really how your back is feeling in this moment or your leg or your arm? I mean, that's amazing, right? 
Well, it's it's um, a mixed bag, really, isn't it? Because, say, for instance, right now, you and I are broadcasting. There, ergo, if my leg is bothering me, I have to say, okay, I, I hear you. I know that you want to move, but you're going to have to wait. Can you give us some tools to do that and still honor what the body's trying to tell us? Okay, great example. So right now, I could, for example, wiggle my foot. And in fact, now I've started wiggling my left foot underneath the table. And I don't think the screen looks any different. I think that there's many more opportunities for um, movement than we think there are, especially when we're all on screen so much. So we could wiggle a foot or a hand or have a quick stretch in between meetings and um, in this way, we would enliven the body and reconnect. It's more like it's the habit of thinking that we need to be in that fixed position rather than the reality. You know, there's always small ways to move. So, you, sense. so, so um, let's change gears a little bit and let's talk about joy. Yeah, I think it's a very much misunderstood concept. By the way, we'll be working with it today, Julia. What is joy? Joy. <laughs> joy is the unexpected. It's the being in the flow. It's the deliciousness when you feel that everything is going just right. It's the delight of a good conversation. And it is the richness of sensations in the body. It's a deep relaxation and a sense of well-being. Joy is fun and it's simple and it's accessible anytime. It's a choice. So there's a, a degrees to everything. What you just described was peace, tranquility, comfort. And that doesn't sound like the manic joy that most people expect when they're you know, searching for their joy. Joy is winning the lottery. Joy is over the top. Um, how can you find that balanced joy and understand it and recognize it? Yeah, I think our culture is really confused about concepts like happiness and pleasure and joy. And very often it is um, an addiction cycle that people think it, it is fun. So again, for me, the answers are coming back to the body. Again, it is sensitivity. It is tuning in to find out what's really pleasurable. I mean, do you really want to drink that or that? Do you really want to eat that or that? Or do you really want your partner to touch you in that way or in that way? So it's, it's yeah, again, that fine tuning, tuning into the body. It seems like, you know, now you and I have worked in body work um, and um, helped guide people back into awareness of their body. So we're pretty body aware at this point would be my guess. However, most people aren't very body aware and they've been conditioned to seek their joy through acquisition. Right. And they get a thrill from getting the latest, greatest, and then pretty soon they toss it away because, of course, that doesn't last and go for another one. How do you have some tools for people that they find their joy or think they're going to find their joy in acquiring things rather than within? I think it's useful to remember that pleasure and joy always arise within ourselves. It doesn't really matter what the external stimulus is, whether it's a device or a vehicle or an outfit. 
actually the pleasure and the joy is always felt over here. So, <laughs> yet again, the tools and the practice is returning to sense oneself because then those, those are good words, returning to sense oneself. But how does a person do that? Uh, you know, they, those words don't make sense to people that have never experienced it. So do you have some tools to offer people to start that journey? Well, you can begin by feeling one finger or one hand, again, a small part of the body, or breathing and noticing how the breath is as it comes in and out. And in a way, in a way, the first step is to choose to take five minutes to try and sense the body. Five minutes for yourself, not uh, the tasks that need to be done for other people. Five minutes for yourself. I think that's probably the beginning point. And can people expect to, at first, feel a little antsy? Um, um, other thoughts slip in, their habits, their, you know, this is boring, I need to get up and do something. Um, how can they redirect themselves back to explore those five minutes within? Um, I think just keeping it short to the five minutes. And again, you don't know what you're gonna find. It may be that that shoulder, that tight shoulder is more painful than you had realized because you've been ignoring it. Or it may be that there's a sweetness in your heart, actually, that you hadn't felt because you'd been so busy at work. So an open mind of curiosity regarding, again, the body as a playground. And there's nothing to get right. There's absolutely nothing to get right. There's no goal to achieve. There's just an open exploration. I, I love the concept of um, curiosity because in, in just about any tradition, it all begins with a wondering rather than a set mindset. Mindset blocks us away from new adventure, but a wondering and opening that opens us up to new experiences. So I, I really like that uh, exploring versus um, having to be looking for something in particular, just openness, that's amazing. So how can a person, um, well, how can joy guide us through these times of uncertainty? Because, you know, we have these stock ways that we uh, respond to stimulus in the world that aren't working anymore. So, and those are from judgments, from habits, from, but not necessarily from body awareness and joy. How can we use body awareness and joy as a guidepost during these uncertain times? Great. Um, so there's lots of ways of doing it. So one could choose to nourish oneself in the first place with joy and pleasure as a nourishment, as a resource, starting out with a full tank or Or, don't know, just lost my thread there completely. <laughs> okay. There was so much I wanted to say. And then it all went away. I hate it when that happens. So we, we were talking about how we can have joy oh, or yeah. utilize joy to guide us through these uncertain times. Right. So um, 
it kind of comes back to trusting instinct. So there's a connection between body awareness and wisdom, body awareness and emotional intelligence. So when we're in contact with the sensations and the feelings of the body, it shows us very often which way to go. Instinct and intuition are not necessarily blind or selfish. Very often they contain the wisdom that's correct for you in that, in the moment. So there's absolutely, um, in these uncertain times, we don't know what's coming next, not only in the big picture, but in the afternoon, we really don't know what's coming next. So when we're operating from the old program, the old library of ideas of this is the way we do things based on events that happened for us, you know, decades ago, we're not in the present moment, we're accessing, if you like, an old map. But when we are in touch with our bodies, all the stuff that we've just been talking about, then the soul wisdom can reach us it you know that little nudge that says phone that person or turn left here or don't go that way um can save your life or really help absolutely well julie and i we're going to return to our discussion shortly but it is time for a commercial break you stay right there this is mission evolution with gwilda wiecka for more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pound i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer welcome back this is mission evolution with Gwilda Wiecka, missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is Julia Paulette Hollenberry. We're speaking about the healing power of pleasure. Her website, universeofdeliciousness.com. Julia, there was something that you brought up that we didn't get to discuss um, because we were going into the commercial break that I'd like to bring up now. And that is following your instincts or your intuition to find the answer for you in the moment. And it seems like that's one of the things that this time is really bringing forward because there's all this argument to mask or not to mask, to vaccinate, not to vaccinate. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And there clearly is no one right answer. At this point, it seems like it's left to the individual to really discern what and when 
is right for them. How can we use instinct and um, intuition to ascertain the answers we need at this time? Hmm. By listening, by sensing, by heeding those answers, it's like we all know the right thing to do inside. The difficulty is the difficulty is really hearing it and taking action on it. I think very often we override not just the needs of the body, but the signals of the body. So Absolutely. And, and it's like we've never been aware of them growing up. We were taught to ignore them and we've never been aware of them. And so they go unheeded, unnoticed, unrecognized. What do we do to start to recognize them? In a way, it begins with changing our relationship with the body and beginning to respect it as something of great value. It's not just a lump of flesh. It's not just the hardware within which our software is. It's not just a vehicle that transports our precious heads from one place to another. This living body this soul-infused body contains our wisdom. It contains wisdom. Um, life is constantly trying to communicate with us through our bodies and through the world. When we disregard the body, when we think that it's you know, useless, just something to be punished, um, then we can't hear the messages. When we're criticizing it as something uh, that is either too thin or too fat or whatever the thing is. So we have to begin with really respecting and honoring the body as a sanctuary, as our sanctuary, as our physical home on the earth. Then we can begin to hear what it is telling us and to take it seriously. Sorry. I'm, it's okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up, you know, judgment, body judgment, because uh, our society, uh, particularly our media, teaches us to be dissatisfied with our physical being um, in order to sell us things that are supposedly going to make us prettier, slimmer. I mean, it's the, the market is glutted with this messaging and with the, the products to the point that people are taught from childhood sitting in front of a TV set that our bodies are inferior. We're not okay like we are because we don't look like everybody else. And isn't the body like a child when it gets that messaging, particularly from within, it starts to form around it? Right, absolutely. I mean, in modernity, we have no conception of how powerful and influential our thoughts and feelings are on our own bodies. And when we um, wear particular messages on our t-shirts or we talk to ourselves or to others in a particular way, it is literally an insult for the body and it shrivels um, in a particular way. And when we treat it kindly, when we appreciate it, when we acknowledge and thank it for what it's done for us, when we give it a kiss of, of reward, when we apologize, when we bang it uh, clumsily, then we're making uh, the return to our body, to our intuition, to our doesn't, intelligence. And doesn't illness break out around that desecration? 
absolutely. And you can see that the different kinds of insults, I mean, there's many causes for ill health, obviously, it's not simple, but treating ourselves with love, treating ourselves with kindness and with respect is the foundation of good health, absolutely. And the foundation of our happy, wholesome, joyous life. I mean, it all begins with love, right? I'm watching um, the messaging, uh, taking time to hear what's actually going through your mind all the time. Because those, those are the messages that we may or may not be aware of that are impacting us. Is that true? Absolutely. And saying no when other people treat us badly. Mm -hmm. That's usually important, isn't it? So you speak of heal, the healing powers of joy. We've been talking about how the messaging and um, the judgment against ourselves can cause ill health. Would you go into the healing powers of joy? How do we use joy to heal? It's a great question. I love it because um, when we are happy, we relax. When we're stressed, we tense up and we don't breathe properly and everything gets squished down. When we are joyous, we relax, everything opens up, we are willing to treat ourselves kindly, whether that's eating the right foods and all the rest of that. That relaxation is important. It's not the relaxation that we think of in modernity. It's not looking at this computer screen to watch a film rather than this computer screen for work. Real relaxation is deep and it's whole body and it's delightful and you could talk about it in terms of in the relaxation enabling the toxins to be released rather than to be trapped in a fixed pattern um, release is a huge key there isn't it that willingness to let go as well as take in and if we're in fear and in judgment we just keep packing stuff in, we, we never really release. Would you speak to how we can release the things that no longer serve in order to take in the new things that we need? Thank you. So we have breath, right? Breath is this very, very simple, constant mechanism of taking in and releasing. So most of us have automatic habitual ways of breathing we don't even notice that we're breathing and many of us breathe very shallowly but again if we can bring our attention to our breath and to allow ourselves on the breath to breathe in the good stuff to breathe in expansion and relaxation and joy and love and to feel on the in-breath that we're taking the good stuff in and to feel on the out-breath that we are releasing and letting go of what no longer serves us. Whether that is an argument with somebody, we can breathe that out. Or whether it's self-shame or, I mean, can be anything, absolutely anything. We can also do it muscularly. We can also like uh, tense. Um, we can have... Um, Let's say we've got tense shoulders, right? So we can also make the tension even bigger, even bigger than it ordinarily is, and then release that. That's another way of release. And putting the body into motion, whatever that is, whether it's tennis or dance or walking or swimming, 
any kind of motion is good for the body because most of us spend far too much time sitting down and sitting still. Yeah, movement is so important, isn't it? And also I, the, the point that you brought up about bringing something in before you release, because so many of us, we're going to get rid of those bad thoughts. We're going to get rid of this fat. We're going to get rid of, get rid of, get rid of, because we've judged against it. But if you take a glass of water that has ink in it and without ending up ending it, you can't get rid of the ink. But if you just pour pure water into it till it overflows, eventually it'll run clear. And isn't that what you're doing when you're making a point of taking in the good things and then allowing release? You reminded me, actually, that, of course, drinking more water than most of us drink is a fantastic way to release as well. And you can also do it ritually. You know, you can take a stone and throw it into the water and release and let go. So. Hmm. How to joy and body awareness relate? Well, I think, as you said earlier, um, joy is not an idea. It's an experience. You can't. Um, think your way to being joyous and um, again you talked about shopping but the real joy is felt in the body the real joy is that <laughs> unmistakable experience of subtle pleasure of delight of relaxation so it's um yeah joy and the body are absolutely inextricably linked. You know, we think of joy as something you can think your way into, but ultimately it's not a thought. It's an experience, isn't it? An emotion. So it is a wonderful time to take another commercial break. Julie and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion. So don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.mission.com evolution.org This is Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. To find out more about me, my school, and the other evolutionary tools we offer, visit findyourpathhome.com. This hour, we'll be sharing thoughts with, we are sharing thoughts with Julia Paulette Hollenberry. Her website, universeofdeliciousness.com. Julia, we were, we were having lots of fun dancing with joy, um, but how important is being present um, in the present moment in order to access joy? What is it to be present? 
That's a great question. I don't know. However you are in the moment, I guess it is when thoughts and body are united. So instead of being at the gym with the body moving in one way and the thoughts being over there on the television or the to-do list or making love to somebody with thoughts are separated again from the body. Being present is somehow being able to bring the thoughts and the body together. Slowing down often helps that so that the thoughts and the body can be at the same vibrational tempo so that you can sense yourself. So sensing yourself, being at this vibrational tempo where your, your body, mind, and spirit are in alignment in, in the moment sounds to be very empowering. Could you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. 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 I mean, in again, when we are trying to please other people and putting on the masks it may be a temporary quick fix, but it doesn't feel good inside. When we are able to be authentic and close to ourselves, when we're able to track and be with ourselves, when we're able to notice what's really going on for us over here, that is hugely empowering. When we can not only feel what we're feeling, but then be able to say to other people, this is what I'm feeling, and therefore this is what I need from you. Yes, we are really in our personal power. So you say, you've been known to say, that most of us walk through life half asleep. What do you mean by that, Julia? When we're distracted, Again, when we're distracted into the plane of thoughts, we are not awake to the delicious, joyful, embodied experience that is here. Our home is the body. Life is not lived anywhere else but here in the body. And... I really think that it's worth coming out of the haze of illusion about ourselves and other people and about the world and into closer contact with ourselves. Then we are more awake, we're more real, we're more empowered, and it's more fun. What do you mean by haze of illusion? Would you, would you describe that, please? <laughs> I mean... It's all the messages, it's all the messaging from the media, it's all the messaging at work and the partners put on each other. It is us trying to get it right, whatever so-called right, what are we supposed to be? In order, so we think, that other people will like us rather than really, really, really being ourselves warts and all, imperfect, vulnerable, powerful, sexy, sensual, honest people, right? 
it, it does seem like we've lost ourselves in the attempt to become more, to become acceptable, to become, and, and the, the operative word here is to become. From what you're saying, we come that way and it's rediscovering what we came to be. Is that what you're saying? I think very few of us were received as babies and children as we really wanted to be received. Very few of us were really seen and really heard and really understood. Very few of us learned that we're beautiful, whoever we are and however we are, and that we're loved. We're all deeply loved. And all of, yeah. All of that's okay. our, in our nature. It's our birthright. Isn't, isn't love the key? You were speaking of love being the key before, but isn't that what everybody is actually trying to become is worthy of love, whether it's being pretty enough or made up enough or have enough things or provide enough things or be a pleasing personality, be pleasant to everybody. Isn't it all really when at the end of the day, a search for love? Because babies don't survive without love. And I don't think adults do well either I don't think plants do either or <laughs> cats or dogs you know it, 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 it it's like actually we are all worthy of love we're all worthy and worthwhile we don't have to do something or be something in order to be worthy of love and I want to suggest another word here which is um acceptance because love can seem like a big a big idea or get confused with romance and actually it's about self-acceptance and acceptance of the other exactly as they are well we tend to look for love in all the wrong places in other words we're looking for it to come from someone else would you speak to that a little bit well, I think it's a valid thing to want to be loved by somebody else. I absolutely think that's valid. But, and we also need perhaps first to love ourselves because um, unless we love ourselves, somebody else isn't going to be able to love us. Nor will we recognize it when they do. Right, because yeah. when we're busy with the criticism, we bat everything away, convinced that we're unworthy, but really it's about relaxing and being open to receiving our love or the love of others. What disciplines can help the individual find joy and for that matter, love? <laughs> you got some great questions. I mean, um, there's so many good disciplines out there at the moment. I think it's a question of um, what works for you. I mean, you know, some people are lit up by football and others are lit up by kickboxing, right? Some people like dancing and other people like yoga. We live in a time where there is more healing and therapeutic modalities available online or in our local communities than ever before. I think there's a wealth and a richness of well-being resources. It's, um, it's also, I would say, um, 
being willing to take the journey and not get it right in the first instance. Perhaps you find a yoga teacher and you don't like the first one, but you like the third one, or you're looking for a therapist, but the first one you meet just isn't the right person for you. You know, there's a little bit of tenacity required in the journey to find what works for you. And you'll know it because it will be fun. Fun. There you go. You might actually find joy along the way, right? Yeah. What, Paulette, what is your mission? I think my mission <laughs> is to wake people up to the great, delicious richness of sensual life and the beauty of real relationships that are possible. Life doesn't have to be terrible. It doesn't have to be difficult. Even those of us who have lived through difficult situations can find our way to heal, to survive and to thrive. A great deal is possible. So yeah, it is my great wish and destiny to, yeah. We're just about out of time. It's gone so quickly. Paulette, would you mind telling our, our audience where they can find your books? Oh, my book is available everywhere that books are sold. Um, yeah, it's uh, available as a Kindle and a paperback and an audio book. And you can find it on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all the, um, all the booksellers are stocking it, Apple, this and that. It's amazing how it's being rolled out and distributed. It's wonderful. And would you mention the name of it one more time? The name of the book, thank you, is The Healing Power of Pleasure. Seven Medicines for Rediscovering the Innate Joy of Being. Very lovely, Paulette. Thank you for your lovely mission in the world. And thank you for taking time to be on the show with us today. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Our guest this hour has been Julia Paulette Hollenberry, the author of The Healing Power of Pleasure, body worker, therapist, mystic healer, and facilitator. Her website, universeofdeliciousness.com, and you can find her books on her website and wherever fine books are sold. This has been Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world. <laughs>